0: I like that song. We are continuing on in a study on joy. It's not up to circumstances and what may be around the corner with difficulty. Joy is more than that, regardless of what you're facing. It's knowing who's with you. And we're going to look at joy through difficult decisions this morning. As Paul was faced with a difficult decision, turn me Philippians chapter 1, as we finish out the chapter this morning, verses 21 through the end of the chapter, verse 30. And I'll ask you to stand in our God's honor as I read aloud. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ will overflow on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Let's pray. Master, we come to you. And we all have different decisions. Some we want to talk about and some we don't. But Father, we know they're there. And as we look at Paul as he faced this difficult decision. Father, uh, speak to our hearts. That we may know that a joy is available in the midst of tough decisions. And Father, may we just sense your presence. God, we always want to know your Here, Father. You are here, but sometimes we miss you. Help us not miss you, Father, as we continue on, Lord. Thank you for revealing yourself to us thus far in the service. And I just pray that your spirit is not quenched as we continue on, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. As we think about tough, difficult decisions that we face Uh, Sometimes it deals with a loved one. And experience has taught us, I don't know if I want to do this or help this person in this way because I got burned last time. But because you love the person so much, it's just difficult. Should I help them or should I wait? Should I give them money or should I give them some of my time or should... Or it looks to me like they're going to fall flat on my face. Or, or should I let them do that? Or or maybe it has to do with changing of a job. Or maybe even have to leave Bristol and go somewhere else. And you ask yourself, do I really want to leave? This is my home. This is where I belong. And do I want to start over and move to another place to get this job opportunity? There are different types of decisions that are just not easy. They're difficult. And and it's hard to know what to do. Life can get complicated. And some people, you look at them and you say, well, he's just got it all figured out. He or she, that's Mr. Perfect right there. That's Miss Perfect. But little do we know what goes on in the person beside us, even here today, as people face tough decisions. It's kind of like, uh, remember Peanuts, Charlie Brown cartoon? Poor Charlie Brown is sitting at Lucy's psychiatric booth and she's got psychiatric help 10 cents and as Charlie Brown pours out his heart to Lucy she says Charlie Brown have you ever been on a cruise ship he said, no not really he said well if you get on a cruise ship they have these things called deck chairs some people they have their deck chairs facing the rear of the ship so they can see where they've been other people have their deck chairs At the front of the ship. So they can see where they're going. What about you Charlie Brown? When you get on a cruise ship. What will you do with your deck chair? He said I don't know. I can't even get mine unfolded. And don't we feel like that sometimes? It's like, I don't know what to do. I don't don't know what decision to make. It's not really a matter of, is it a right decision or a wrong decision? I'm just not sure which road I should take, what I'm supposed to do. And there's great difficulty. And as we look at Paul, in verse 21, he shares his heart. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He wanted the message of his life. To be Christ. And he wanted them to know that even in his death, it's more of Christ. He wanted to be about the Lord. He wanted Jesus to be that mega message (laughs) that other people saw when they thought about Paul. When we were in Long Island, in the little mission church, there uh, was a fellow there. Uh, His name was Sean. And he ended up marrying Jennifer. Jennifer. And both of them uh, had mild retardation and had some issues. And man, every once in a while, Sean would sing that old hymn just when I need him most. And every time we sing that hymn still, I hear Sean's voice. And, you know, I try not to turn back to you guys because I find tears welling up my eyes. Because when he sang, it was just so real. He might have been a little slow in his thinking, but he was not a little slow in his love for Christ. It was real. Let me remind you of these wonderful words again. <laughs> Jesus is all the world to me, my life, my joy, my awe. He's my strength from day to day. Without Him, I would fall. When I am said, to Him I go. No other one can cheer me so. When I am sad, He makes me glad. He's my friend. <laughs> Jesus is all the world to me. My friend, in trials sore, I go to Him for blessings, and He gives them oar and o'er. He sends the sunshine and the rain. He sends the harvest golden grain. Sunshine and rain, harvest of grain. He's my friend. Jesus is all the world to me. And true to Him I'll be. Oh, how could I this friend deny when He's so true to me? Following Him, I know I'm right. He watches o'er me day and night. Following Him by day and night. He's my friend. Jesus is all the world to me. I want no better friend. I trust Him now. I'll trust Him when life's fleeting days shall end. Beautiful life with such a friend. Beautiful life that has no end. Eternal life. Eternal joy. (laughs) He's my friend. Friend. And that was the Apostle Paul. That was his heartbeat. And as we see in this passage, he he says, I'm in a tough spot. I'm cornered, hard pressed on every side. I I feel trapped. I, I feel jammed with no safe exit in what I am facing. He says, If I go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me, yet what shall I choose? I shall not know. I'm torn between the two. He he says that he's torn to to depart and and to be with Christ. It's a picture of of a ship um, losing its anchor and and heading out and, and drifting. It's a Picture of one picking up what he owns and, and heading out to a new place and, and to a, a new land. And and he's, he's torn in his heart in what his decision is going to be. And as you analyze these, as you think about his choices, well, what are the benefits of departing and being with Christ? Well, it's kind of obvious to instantly be in his presence. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. I love kind of the way it says in the King James. For now, he says, we look through a glass darkly. It says, but we will see face to face. He says, now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Man, right now, we only get a partial picture. Right now, we catch a glimpse of Christ, but it says that when we go through that transition, through that door that we call death, we'll see Him face to face. We'll be directly in His presence. I can't say I fully understand what heaven will be like, but He's there. And, and that, that's what is most precious. That is what is most genuine. And so, obviously, a, a benefit there is, is to be in the very presence of the Lord. To be with Christ. And then to be free from limitations. Let's face it. This life's got some tough stuff. There are people who have health challenges. I had one friend on the other end of the state. Uh, his had an accident where his tractor ended up falling on him. He was fortunate that it didn't kill him. But there's a reminder now that he has every day because he walks with a limp because it crushed his leg. One day when Chris is with Jesus, there won't be a limp. No more hitching to get along. <laughs> He'll be walking without that. There are others of you, you know, some people face arthritis. Uh, you know, I told you guys we just got word this week that Cindy's mom has a lung disease. We have these health issues. Issues that we struggle with. I, you know, I went uh, yesterday and saw Jimmy son Cody, and he's got some kind of crazy infection inside, and they've got four types of antibiotics trying to heal him of that as, as a young guy. And, and, and sometimes we have limitations, and, and sometimes we have... I, I mean, when I was in high school, a week before I went to college, I shattered my ankle, and, and it healed up, and I'm fine. But, I, you know, I can still remember that doctor telling me, uh, when I went in for a checkup, he said, "One day you're going to have arthritis in that ankle. One day you." It is so funny. My buddy I talked to him the other day. He said, "I just wanted to say, I'd a punch you. I don't. You don't tell my friend that. You know, we we're just kind of joking about it. But the point of the matter is, there. Oh, these bodies. There's limitations, and they'll be removed. We're going to get new bodies. We're going to be free of those limitations and those struggles." as we're finally made whole and full as He means us to be. And think about Paul. For him, the shackles will be taken off his wrists. He'll no longer be a prisoner. He'll be free. Truly free. But what are the benefits of life? Well, in the Scripture here, there's a strength for God's people. Notice here in verses 25 and 26, He says, Convinced of this, I know that I'll remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. Paul was more than just a Christian celebrity. He was more than just a guy that spoke and the church showed up and were in awe. He says in verse 5 of this chapter, I have a partnership with you. They they watched Paul day to day when he was with them. And he was a friend. He was a real deal. He was not just a teacher through his words. He was a teacher in the way he lived and walked with them and cared for them. And there was this connection and this partnership where I'm not above you. I'm one of you. And we're partners in the gospel. What matters is that we're together in sharing a message of hope, which is Jesus Christ, and and that message of the cross, and 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 how the, it was evidence that God's blessing by the resurrection from the dead, that Jesus Christ is the hope. And and, and he says, I want to be with you, and. I know God wants me to be a blessing to you so that we can continue to grow together. Verse eighty he says, you know that I deeply care for you. And then there was a security for God's people. Notice what he says, start of verse 27, he says, whatever happens. He's preparing them for the fact that he's not going to be here forever. He will pass through eternity at God's appointed time. We all have to deal with that. Maybe there's some of you and someone who's very precious to you, who loves Jesus, who has crossed that other side, and it hurts. There's some bit of security that's missing. You long for that time where you'll be Back with them, and there'll be that great reunion. And Jesus says, "Promise that's true." And and the, there's that sense of security and that that pain that'll that'll come if if Paul does depart and moves to the other side and, and goes to heaven. Um. As I thought about this, I thought about the struggle that God's people had when Moses died. And turn me to Deuteronomy thirty four. I just want to read a couple of verses there. He says, um, 34, starting at verse 5, he says, And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord had said. He buried him in Moab, in the valley opposite Beth Peor, but to this day no one knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning Was over. So. God's servant Moses. The hero of the people. The one they looked to for a sense of security. He died. And and what happened when he died. He was buried somewhere where nobody knew where he was. And I think God had a plan for that. The fear was that if everybody knew where his grave was. They would make it a shrine. They'd make it a memorial. And they'd probably start worshipping the grave of this spiritual hero of the faith. Moses. So they didn't even know where he was buried because God wanted to depend on him and not just the mere memory of his servant. But it also says that when he died, he man, he was still vital physically. He was still strong as he was in his youth. So they weren't ready in that sense for his death. And they mourned for 30 days. Man, there was crying and, and, and weeping and crying. And the questioning of why did you take him now, God? He, he still seemed to have days ahead as there was that struggle and, and that that security would be challenged. And Paul, he, he knew that, that struggle. So what's his challenge to them on how to live? Well, look at verse 22 back in Philippians 1. As, as he shares his heart, he says, If I'm going... If I am to go on living in the body, that will mean fruitful labor for me. What shall I choose? I do not know. And so, as he talks about being torn between the two, and he says, it's better for you that God allow me to stay with you. And he says he's convinced of this for now that that is God's plan. Why? For their progress and joy in the faith. Joy that comes in Christ Jesus that overflows as God works through him. You see, we don't know what will happen tomorrow. We don't know what will happen the next moment. We have to learn to trust God in that moment by moment. And sometimes we make all these grand... I'm not saying we shouldn't plan. But we make all these plans not realizing that at any moment God may pop the bubble. And everything completely changed. I think of James four thirteen in the chapter. He says, "Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, we'll spend a year there, carry on business, we'll make money." <laughs> he says, "Why well, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow? He says, what is your life? You're like a mist, pierce for a little while, then the mist vanishes." He says, "Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that." As it is, he says, you boast and brag. He says, all such boasting is evil. He says, anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, he sins. He says, hey, this this Christian life, it's about walking moment by moment. It's not that you don't make plans. Just realize that God's really the one that controls every plan. That that, that you're ready to to follow Him. And and so how how to live? We come down to verses 27 through 30. And he gives a couple of pieces of important advice. First is to work on your character. Notice what he says. Verse 27. Whatever happens. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence. I'll know you stand firm in one spirit. Contending as one for the faith of the gospel. So that first point. Work on your character. Work on walking with Jesus. On allowing Him to leak out of your life and to flow through you. Because the fact of the matter is, death is coming. It says in Ecclesiastes 7, verse 1, it says a good name is better than precious jewels. And He says the day of death is better than the day of birth. Why Why is that? Because the one who walks with Jesus, when it comes time for that transition, people look back and say, boy, I saw Jesus here. And I saw Jesus in this memory. And I saw Jesus in the way this was handled. And I, I saw Jesus when He did this for me. Or, or she said this. That, that's why there is that sense of it's better. Tony Campalo Uh, His home church is uh, mostly uh, has African Americans. and It's a huge church. And he talks about that one day they had a student day and they had all these uh, high school students headed out to careers, school, whatever was needed to take that next transitional step. And they came and they kept talking about their dreams. I'm going to you know, I'm going to go to this school. My plan is to be a doctor. Or I'm going to go to this school and be a mechanical engineer. Or, or you know, they just kept going. And he said, you could hear the the, the groans and moans of excitement from grandparents and parents and people in the congregation as, as these young people shared their dreams. And it was like, yeah, yeah, you're going to be somebody. You're going to make something of yourself. And he says, as this continued on... and. And there was all this excitement in the room. And after the students were done sharing about their future, the pastor got up and here's what he said. Children, children, you're going to die. You are going to die. You don't think you're going to die. But you're going to die. They're going to drop you in a hole. They're going to throw dirt in your face. And they're going to go back into church and eat potato salad. Ew. When you were born, you were the only one that cried. Everybody else was happy. That's not important. Here's what's important. When you die, will you be the only one that's happy and everyone else will cry? Huh. Depends on what your life's about and what your commitments are. Are you committed to getting these? These titles, these degrees, doctor of this, master of that, something else. Are you committed to degrees and titles? Do you want a tombstone with titles? Or do you want people standing around your grave giving testimonies of how you love them and how your life was lived out for them? Do you want titles? Or do you want testimonies? Isn't that good? Hey, listen to me, church. I, I, not that there's anything wrong with titles, but that's not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is testimonies. Are you full of Jesus? Is He your Savior? Is He your Lord? Is He your life? Hey, that's the call. and That's what Paul is saying. Hey, listen, this is my heartbeat, guys. This is why I want to remain here because I want to see Jesus in you. I want to see you grow in His Power, because that's what makes the difference, is standing firm in Him. Standing firm. He says, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel, to stand together, to strive together for the work of the gospel. What is he saying here? He's saying, guys, I don't want you merely to watch. It's not enough to be a spectator. It's not enough to come to church and see somebody up on stage sing or preach or pray. But you are to participate, you are to partner in the gospel. You are the church. Hey, we don't come here to play church. We come here because we are the church. That's the difference. They asked uh, Bill Wilkinson, legendary Oklahoma football coach, if he thought that professional sports, namely football, attributed to exercise in the United States. And they were surprised by his answer. This is classic. Listen to this. A professional football game is a happening where thousands of spectators Desperately needing exercise. Sit in the stands. Watching 22 men on the field. Desperately needing rest. (laughs) Man. May we not be the ones desperately needing exercise. God, stir us. Hey, that's Paul's call. And it's still needed today. We so quickly become... So complacent. I remember years ago hearing a guy say that, you know, the Holy Spirit, one of his main jobs is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. (laughs) Man, it's so easy to to lose that edge of eternity. That long-range view of what really lasts and what really matters. Verse 28, he says, Without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you, this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you'll be saved. And that, by God. The word picture there of of being frightened is, is as they marched into battle on their horses. The horse might be spooked. Might be frightened by something he saw that made him jump and... And he said, as you move forward for Christ, as you live the gospel, may you have courage. May you be bold. And I I have to admit, sometimes I just feel so inadequate and just a wimp in Christ. Um, A couple of verses God brought to my mind that I memorized every once in a while, God will just kind of, you know, they say, put a knot in my backside, you know, try to wake me up. One of them, Psalm 138, verse 3, he says, When I called, you answered me. You made me bold and stout-hearted. Oh, what a prayer. God, when I call out to you, give me courage, Lord. Instill within me a supernatural boldness for Christ. Because I tend to just be so wimpy. Proverbs 28 verse 1. He says. The wicked man flees. Though no one pursues. But the righteous are as bold as a lion. Hey God. Give me that lion like boldness. And courage. For you. Help me Lord. Not wimp out so quickly. But to remember what really matters. And that's you. And to understand that. People need you. Hey, that's his heart. That's his heart. Um, Two minutes I got a lot to do, don't I? (laughs) All right, what not to forget. Don't forget, uh, first, that we're not alone. That we're not alone. In verse 27, he says, Whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence. (laughs) Paul says, man, I love you. You're not alone. We're not alone. We have Christ, but we've got each other. Don't forget that. That matters because it's easy. You know, the devil's really good. That's how he works. He wants to isolate you. You know, that's when the pity party starts. Pity party starts. I'm alone and I'm hurt and I'm by myself. And Man, that's when we need to say, You're not alone. Jesus said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And when he saves somebody, he doesn't save them just for self-advancement. He saves them so the church together can march on in victory. Sharing the gospel and the truth. Hey, you're not alone. Um, there was a church I went to one time. And they had up on the back door, right above the door. They had a sign up there It says, you're now entering the mission field. Isn't that a great thought? You're now entering the mission field as you march out. You're called somewhere as God works. Uh, Secondly, we're promised the victory. Notice in 28, um, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you, this is a sign of them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved and that by God. He is the and His words are precious, and His ways are true, and His wisdom always wins, and we belong to Him. 1 John 5, 4 says, And whatever is born of God, the one born of God, this is the one that overcomes the world by even our faith. When we trust Christ, I love Warren Wiersbe saying, Don't forget this one, guys. We do not fight for victory. We fight from victory. Jesus won the victory at Calvary. When he said, it's finished, he wasn't kidding. He's victorious. So I don't fight to win for God. I fight out of the fact he won for me and for you and for others. All right, this next one's not as much fun, but it's there Verse 29, we're called to suffer. For it's been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on Him, but also to suffer for Him. There are some places in popular Christian media, and we don't hear this part. Everything's about connecting with the Christ in you, so you can get the blessings. But sometimes the way He gives the blessings is through pain. Scriptures talk about it over and over again. That's why Paul, when he said, as we'll see a couple of chapters over in chapter 3, he said, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. That's a Philippians 3.10. That's Paul's call. That's what he wants. He wants to know. Him. He wants to know the power of that resurrection. But he also understands that there is a special fellowship that comes through suffering with him. And for him. And the truth of the matter is, uh, there are people all over the world, brothers and sisters in other countries, that are not favorable to Christianity, who are suffering, who are dying, and we would be naive to think that there may not come a day in our own land where it will cost us something to stand up for Jesus Christ. In Rome, as Paul said these words, there were Christians that they would you know, they would put them with a the tar, and pine, and pitch all over them and use them as human torches to light up the Colosseums for their entertainment and their sports events. Others were torn shred to shred by lions all because they placed their confidence in Jesus Christ. And I don't know what's ahead for us, but I know Jesus will be with us. This is why Paul said in Philippians 3, eight, he said, What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own, but a righteousness that comes through faith in Christ. And I'm wrapping this thing up, and uh, as we have this time, we call invitation, response. The question is, who is Jesus to you guys? Is He just somebody you call when you're in trouble? Is He just like an emergency button? You know, when there's fire, you pull that thing, get some help. Is He just somebody you run to when there's nowhere else to run? Or is He your Savior? Is He your Lord? Or as that precious hymn that I read earlier, Is He your friend? He wants to be. And we always, look, every invitation, every time that we meet, we need to let people know the gospel. Or we, we miss it. People need to know that there is a way to be forgiven. And as you look at the contrasts off in our world, you have these jihadists, you have these extremist Muslims who they believe that their God wants them to kill those who do not trust their God. And think about our God. He did just the reverse. He himself chose to die. So you might have life. Don't miss that. If someone is here and They've thought about Christ, but they've never placed their confidence in Christ and said, Just enter my life, forgive me of my sin, give me that new start. I believe in you, Jesus. No time like now to do that. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for your word. Thank you for your servant Paul and how we can take time to look at his life and a difficult decision he had and just. Father, catch sight of his heartbeat, Lord. May I have that heartbeat. May my brothers and sisters have that heartbeat. And if there's one here, Father, who doesn't have that heart yet, you promise to bestow it when we simply agree with you that we need a Savior, that we need a new start, that we need forgiveness, and Jesus is the way to it. And so, Father, have your way in this time as an altar is open As I'm at the front to receive anyone that wants private prayer. Or, Father, what do you want to do in our hearts, in our lives? I pray you're free to do it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.